0: Today, we look ahead to one of the most major milestones of our lives when we graduate into retirement. Now, here's our valedictorian and certified financial planner practitioner, Eric Brotman, your host of Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that teaches you how to advance into retirement rather than retreating. Get ready for inspiration and actionable advice to guide you towards a seamless transition into a dignified retirement
1: where you get to make your dreams a reality. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate. This is episode six, and I'm Eric Brotman, your host, and today I have one of my newest business partners, uh, Lena Nebel, with me in studio. And uh, Lena, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, it's great to be here.
1: Um, this is going to be fun because um, we're going to be talking about something that, uh, that everyone needs to know at every stage of their financial lives. Um, and yet something that people don't always think about until as they approach that retirement age, which is, do I need a financial advisor? And if so, how do I find one? So before we start and, and dive into that conversation, Lena, tell us a little bit about uh, your career and um, and where you've been and, and where you are.
2: Sure, um, well first of all, thank you for having me on the show. Uh, I actually got into this business uh, over 20 years ago uh, when I was in college. I was a econ and finance major and realized that I liked all aspects of the business. And so I decided to expand my horizons and um, take a a variety of different business classes and started to focus more on the financial planning side. So while in college, I actually took an internship with, back then was uh, Morgan Stanley Dean Wetter. And I actually interned for a stockbroker to where we would pick out the phone book and I would cold call a lot of people to ask them if they were interested in the Pennsylvania Municipal Bond Fund at the time. And so my job was to just send them a postcard. Um, I quickly realized in that environment that I did not want to be a stockbroker, so I, went and uh, went back to the Career Center and found a firm in Pennsylvania that um, was a financial planning firm. And they did all aspects of financial planning, insurance planning, estate planning, uh, investment management, and realized that's where I wanted to build my career. So I was with that firm for a few years and then eventually transitioned to another firm in Maryland uh, where I was there for about 15 years and and built up their financial planning department and and had a lot of conversations with clients about the importance of having a financial plan and uh, important questions to ask when interviewing. And then uh, in January of uh, last year, I uh, was proud to say that I I joined uh, BFG Financial Advisors and am now a partner here at the firm.
1: Great. So you've you've got a, a two decade history like myself, and actually, you know, I started uh, at Leg Mason Wood Walker. So uh, our our backgrounds are similar in that regard, in that we discovered the stock brokerage world, and that we didn't want to be in it. <laughs> um, though I'm not sure all of our listeners know the difference between a financial uh, planner and a stockbroker, but we'll we'll dive into that in in a moment. Um, first things first. Um, do you Does everyone need a financial advisor? Is that something that everyone needs to do?
2: I don't think everybody needs a financial advisor, but I think that there are a variety of areas in your financial life that you're going to need assistance on. Um, there's a lot of tools now that are provided through employers that can help you in designing a 401k allocation. And so maybe for somebody just starting out, um, they don't need to uh, pay a financial advisor to help them with their 401k allocation. but if that person gets married, has children, uh, they may need some assistance on how to draft their uh, estate plan. What are the important parts of their, of their will, power of attorney, or medical directive? Uh, how can they fund for a house? How do they help pay for a child's education? How do you save for retirement? So I think it depends on uh, a couple things. One, the complexity of the situation, but also uh, if that client wants to take care of it themselves. Um, Again, there's a lot of tools now that are available that weren't available 5, 10, 15 years ago to help people do it on their own. Um, But in my opinion, I think that it's great that there are individuals uh, like myself to where you can go to somebody and have them take care of it. I always try to equate it to going to the doctor. Um, I I, I go to my uh, general physician and I get my annual checkup. Uh, I'm not... Checking my own cholesterol and and doing my own blood work, obviously, Um, but that's what I'm going to this other professional for. So I think there are some people where they can uh, do it themselves, um, but I think the vast majority of individuals, especially as you're um, progressing through those life decisions, it's great to get a a second opinion.
1: Terrific. So uh, I love the medical analogy, it's one we've used on the show and and, um, one that I've used in my practice. Um, and the primary care physician analogy I think does make sense because um, no one person or one firm can possibly just like no one physician can possibly be an expert at everything Mm -hmm. so um, I I, I believe that seeing your primary care physician financially means knowing uh, how to be referred to other specialists whether it's real estate or insurance or or law or tax or or other benefits so um, on, on the medical front there are lots of different ways to engage with physicians. One of them is through a clinic. You know, you walk in, you see whoever the the doctor on staff is, you get your your um, your blood test or your throat culture or your your knee looked at, and and then you leave. And sometimes that's the only thing you need at that moment. Then you have your primary care physicians who will have you as one of the folks in their practice, but they might have. Uh, six patients an hour to see and so you're getting five or ten minutes most of it with a nurse and you're sort of hustling in and out and then there's concierge medicine so concierge medicine this whole idea that um, for a retainer fee you can have access to your physician same day and can call him or her on the weekends and and can have a a, a more personalized experience of course that's more expensive but it's a more personalized experience so um, in your opinion does the financial advisory world have the same type of of menu
2: of options I think it does. Um, like I said, I, I think the uh, our industry has evolved so much over uh, the past years to where I, I use the, the stockbroker conversation um, from back in the 90s. Uh, now, individuals are looking for that financial planner who can help guide them into those different areas. So a financial planner could uh, have the different specialties. They could have somebody where they're just focused on uh, corporate plans, stock option plans, um, pension decisions. You could have a financial planner who's more focused in the uh, the millennial generation, the baby boomers. Um, so I think you can find the financial planner that is uh, maybe a generalist, and then they can kind of gear you into those different specialties as well. But uh, it's exciting to see our industry evolve over the years, uh, and that we're kind of getting away from that uh, stockbroker-like mentality, if you will.
1: So finding a financial advisor is uh, is not easy. I mean, finding a doctor is not easy either, but but at least when you get your, your insurance book, you have a, a, a list of providers who have been at least somewhat, we hope, vetted. Um, finding a financial advisor is tough because everyone and their brother-in-law calls themselves financial advisors, even if they aren't. Some are salespeople for various organizations. Um, Some are fiduciary advisors. Some are not. Um, And so, you you know, you're a you're a certified financial planner practitioner CFP. What does that mean to you? And what does that mean in terms of uh, of a skill set?
2: Uh, Great question. So I look at the CFP as being kind of the the highest level of a financial planner. Uh, I have fiduciary obligations, I have ethical obligations. And so when an individual see those marks after my name, they know that I'm held to a set of standards. Uh, I am not someone where I would say I'm just a financial planner because I could be a financial planner and a part-time DJ. Um, That's not where I think uh, uh, we want that, that designation to lie is to where somebody can just say they're a financial planner. So um, I would say if someone's looking for a financial planner, they want a certified financial planner. Um, There's a rigorous course that you go through, um, but most important, you're you're bound to a set of standards. Um, So I look at that as saying that I'm kind of at the top with my peers by having that designation. And when somebody is looking, as you said, Eric, it's difficult to try to find a financial planner, kind of where would you start? I would start with the, CFP board. Um, You can look for a certified financial planner directly through their website. You can uh, put in your zip code, the areas of specialty that you're looking for, and that will give you kind of a starting point of making sure that somebody um, has held themselves to that set of standards.
1: In in keeping with that, um, sometimes folks are advised to interview two or three planners before they make a decision. Um, Sometimes uh, an attorney or an accountant will say, here are Two or three people you should talk to, and and who you can consider. Um, some people have their own advisor. Maybe they've had him or her for a decade, and don't even know the answers to some of the questions that that y- you might ask today of an advisor. So what I'd like to do is I- I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, there there are a dozen or so questions that um, that I believe it's important to know the answers to mm-hmm. when you when you're uh, considering a planner. So let's start with these and. Um, uh, these are in no particular order of importance uh, or difficulty, but, uh, but I, I just want your feedback on all of these because I think these are things people can ask their existing advisors in addition to interviewing new ones. So first and foremost, um, does the planner represent specific companies or products?
2: so in that type of question um, really what an individual is looking for is um, partially of you know are they serving multiple masters if you will and then also on their forms of compensation so um, sometimes when you go to the bank and ask those questions to the representative sitting there they may be limited to their investment options so they may be forced to sell certain types of products um, you want to be able to find somebody when they're when you're asking that question that uh, is independent that they're unbiased, that they're not limited to their investment options that they're selecting or products that they're selecting. Typically, when you hear the word product in our industry, um, immediately you think of a a commission environment. Um, So that's important to know upfront, just because somebody may be offering a commission product or they're, they're selling those uh, products doesn't make them a bad individual, but you need to make sure that your understanding of what they're recommending to you is in your best interest and not their best interest.
1: Okay. Um, I, I have very little to add to that because at the end of the day, if you're an employee of an employer as a, as a planner, you have uh, a duty to your employer as much as you do to your client, which is why I think it's nice to, to be in an environment where Um, the duty is only to the client Mm -hmm. that that becomes a win so next question uh, what services does the advisor or planner provide personally in other words um, what gets done in-house versus what potentially is outsourced in some way?
2: Uh, uh, great question. And so uh, from this standpoint, what I would look at is kind of where is that planner spending their time and are they going to um, just shift it right off to somebody else who's going to do all the, the legwork and maybe that planner is not going to be involved in your situation. Uh, if you think about The accounting dynamics. Uh, CPAs typically have um, somebody who's not a CPA doing all the data entry and then um, having that output go directly to the accountant for analysis. So it's important to understand what that advisor is actually doing as well as all the services that they're providing. Are they also able to assist with um, insurance recommendations? Are they doing tax planning? Are they also drafting your wills also? So you have to be careful kind of how much of the the services that that um, advisor is doing for you and, and making sure that they're specializing in exactly what you need.
1: Makes perfect sense. Um, how often would an advisor meet with you? I, I, I've I've heard stories of folks who meet with their advisors quarterly, which I can't fathom because I'm not sure what you would talk about that's changed in your life in 13 weeks. But how often should you meet with your advisor or, or if you're asking an advisor how often are we going to meet, what, what do you think that answer should look like?
2: So I think minimally you want to meet with your advisor twice a year. Uh, the first part of the year you want to be able to sit down with them and um, kind of going back to our uh, medical analogies, you want to have your physical exam. You want to spend a couple hours with them talking about everything that's happened over the past 12 months, talk about strategies for the upcoming years, uh, really talking about you and are you on track for all of your goals. So that should be a very comprehensive meeting at the beginning beginning part of the year. And then the second meeting should be focused on any tactical plannings, any year-end um, uh, tax moves that have to take place, anything that has changed since the last meeting. Um, but always there's, there can be something that happens throughout the year. There's a job change. Uh, there's a life event that happens. And so you want to make sure that your advisor is flexible, um, or at least has the team, to be able to assist when there are things that come up throughout the year. Um, sometimes clients just want to meet once a year, and that's fine. Others require a little bit more support and so i think that's what you as the client have to uh, communicate to your advisor on the expectations as well as the advisor communicating to the client on the expectations of meeting as well you don't want to hand everything over to your advisor and then you never see them again so i would say eric uh, at least two times a year is when uh, I, ideally in the best type of relationships you want to meet with the clients
1: okay And um, I've always had a a bit of a philosophy that you never want to be someone's biggest client or their smallest client. So can you ask an advisor, who who are the typical clients of your practice or of your firm? And, And if so, what kind of answer can you expect from them?
2: So you absolutely want to ask this question because you want to know if they can help you specifically. So if you are, um, let's say, planning for retirement, you're 55 years old and, and you want to retire within the next 10 years, you want to make sure that they know uh, income strategies, social security techniques, and they're not just focusing on um, uh, like an advisor who knows how to save for education and, and that's what their niches and and all of their clients are kind of that that millennial generation, if you will, Um, you want somebody whose typical client looks like you. Um, That doesn't have to be necessarily from a net worth or an income standpoint, but as far as the the type of clientele that uh, you you currently are or looking to become, you want to make sure that um, that either the advisor or their team is able to assist your situation. So I think absolutely you want to know what the typical clients are and, um, and if you're a right fit, as much as you are interviewing the advisor, the advisor is also interviewing you. So you want to make sure that this relationship, which ideally is going to be a long-term relationship, that it's both going to um, fit for you. So along those lines, I'll kind of add something to that is not just what the typical clients of the advisor are, um, but what is the overall plan for that firm. Um, If you're looking to grow with that firm, what happens to that advisor when they retire? Uh, What happens to you when you get older? Do you transition to a different uh, individual of the firm? So I think um, it's really a two-part question when you ask what are the typical clients of the firm.
1: Um, A a firm like that sounds expensive. What are the, how do you know what the costs of doing business are with with a given advisor because um, our industry has a, a funny way of hiding costs, burying them, uh, putting them on page seventy two of a hundred page prospectus or something. Um, h- how do you How do you find out what it actually costs you to work with um, your advisor and and how much transparency should you expect?
2: So you would one. Obviously, uh, 100% transparency with the advisor. You would want to know that everything that they're giving to you uh, details what those fees are. So first and foremost, is there an engagement fee? Um, If there's an engagement fee, is that a one-time fee, an hourly fee, an annual fee? And all of this would be outlined on the agreement that you would sign. Um, Sometimes those agreements can be uh, pretty lofty in pages. And so you can tell your advisor um, where on this uh, document does it outline what my costs are? Um, other costs that are, again, part of those agreements would be transaction costs, advisory costs. You would want your advisor to point to specifically where those are. Uh, it's a very fair question to ask. It's an important question to ask um, and to understand, you know, kind of what is the average fee, if you will. Um, It can vary based upon, again, complexity, as well as the the firm size also. Um, There's a lot of good resources um, through the uh, Certified Financial Planning a website, as well as the Financial Planning Association. But depending on how you got referred to that client, whether it was through an, a, an accountant, an attorney, a family friend, a co-worker, uh, you can ask them, you know, how, do you feel that your, your fees um, are reasonable and approximately do you know how much you're paying for? So there are a lot of different costs. As I mentioned, there could be um, the engagement fee, whether it's one time, hourly or annual. There could be uh, the advisory fee, which is the ongoing asset management, Uh, there could be transaction charges that are part of that as well. Um, And then don't forget the the investments also have expenses as well. Um, So you want to understand what that investment is actually costing you. Um, If you're going with somebody who does a lot of product transactions to where they're limited in their investment options, those expenses may be a little bit higher. So you wanna make sure that that advisor is going through what those fees are. And typically, uh, through that engagement and through the recommendation process, uh, the advisor should be detailing those expenses to you so you know what you're paying for. And if the advisor never mentions cost, that's a warning.
1: Very good. Now, um, we can't talk about choosing a financial advisor without talking about horror stories. So let's talk (laughs) about Mr. Bernie Madoff for a second, because um, it, that was a trusted relationship. And for, for those of you who are listening, most of you will remember this story. But for those who don't, this was uh, uh, an enormous fraudulent uh, scheme where statements were being created that weren't legitimate. Um, there was no transparency. There was a black box. Um, And there are ways to to help prevent that. And one of them is the use of a third party custodian. Can you talk a little bit about what that is and why it matters?
2: Sure, Um, just one quick side note, when you mentioned Madoff, I I had a flashback to, after that had happened with prospects that were uh, interviewing me, everybody brought in the top 10 questions to ask your um, investment advisor. um, So they don't turn it so you don't turn into uh, Bernie Madoff. And prior to that, uh, people really wouldn't interview their advisor. But that uh, what I would look at is basically the turning point to where individuals really started paying attention um, to their advisor and asking those questions. Um, So about the uh, third party custodian, the reason that that's important is you want to know if your firm is actually custodying the assets, are they generally your monthly statements. Um, I'll just speak from experience. Um, who we utilize, uh, we do not custody any assets. Um, they are our custodian is actually going out and sending the the monthly statement. So I can't tell somebody um, that they have. in assets, but um, they get their monthly statement and they only have $150,000. So that, uh, in my opinion, allows us to kind of have some uh, arm's length to the situation so that um, a client knows the statements that they're getting are authentic um, and not having to worry about if our group is actually generating those statements.
1: And that's true for tax reporting as well, right?
2: That is correct. So they would also be in charge of generating any type of 1099s, any type of uh, 1099Rs, which is the retirement distributions, um, so that there's accuracy in in reporting those numbers.
1: Terrific. Um, Let's talk a little bit about philosophy. Because some of a a fit with a, a client and an advisor might not be quantitative. It might not be... Do you have the, the size assets that make sense for this particular advisor? Or do you work with clients who are a specific age or a specific demographic? Um, let's talk about philosophy because um, there are a lot of different investment philosophies. Uh, I've heard some that are more speculative. Uh, you know, we've, we've often said here as a firm we don't represent cowboys, uh, and that's true. Um, we've heard some that are um, more along the lines of winning by not losing. Um, and I think each, uh, each advisor or each advisory firm has some type of strategy or philosophy around not only the selection of managers, um, but the philosophy uh, among how tactical to be, uh, how strategic to be and so forth. Can you can you speak to that?
2: Sure. So I think um, in the on the investment side, there's really I would consider two main strategies um, that an advisor would uh, follow. Uh, one being active and one being passive. And not to get into the the whole debate of active versus passive strategies. These types of questions that you're asking the advisor can open up the door to the type of firm that they are and their process in due diligence, asset selection, um, tactical trading at the end of the year, rebalancing techniques, uh, fund selection. So I think it's important to ask what their philosophy is, even if it's not important to you. And what I mean by that is um, a lot of people that hire a financial planner, um, they do so because they don't have the expertise in um, possibly managing their money. And and they don't want to learn more about managing their money. They want to hire somebody who can do it for them. Um, So while you may not understand the differences in the philosophy, it will open up the door to more dialogue and have you understand kind of what that advisor is doing, because that plays into some of the other things that we've already talked about, which goes into cost. It goes into how often are you being communicated to. Um, So the, the philosophy is absolutely important. You wanna make sure, again, in my opinion, that you're not getting with somebody who's doing a lot of turnover, who's utilizing a lot of high expense investments, um, but quite honestly is, is practicing something very vanilla, uh, very simple, which is asset allocation. And you wanna understand with their philosophy, how are they able to implement that philosophy? Do they have an investment committee, an investment department? Um, is the person that you're meeting with, are they the ones that are, are um, throwing the dart and, and picking the, the best investment for you? Um, is the philosophy the same with all clients or does each client have a different type of uh, management style Um, most often you know as you get older you're going to take on less risk so what are the strategies involved in protecting your portfolio Um, so those are the things that you want to be able to uh, to specifically ask the advisor
1: we're not going to have time to to complete this full interview but i I have i have one more question In in our industry, a lot of times, um, clients work with a specific person, one person, and often it's because that is a sole practitioner or it's because uh, that person has his or her own practice or own silo, for lack of a better term. Um, And the industry is evolving, and as it evolves, we're seeing a lot more ensemble practices, uh, full teams working together. Can you speak to some of the pros and cons, perhaps, uh, or the evolution of the ensemble?
2: Sure. Um, I think the ensemble has really uh, evolved over the past few years because advisors are getting older. Unfortunately, I, I hate admitting that, but um, as I continually get older each year, um, I think about my retirement and what that would look like. And when I think about my retirement, I think about my clients and who's going to take care of them when one day I'm not um, you know, working. Uh, That's, I think, where the uh, evolution of the ensemble practice has come. And basically, it's developing that team of next generation advisors so that when advisors transition into retirement, um, that there is somebody that's been part of the firm that the client has been involved with that is comfortable in in kind of moving over to that uh, that next advisor. That's the whole benefit of of a team. Ensemble practice, a team approach, um, you want to make sure that that team approach that the, the, uh, the advisors, the team, knows what's going on with the client. Um, many companies can say that they have a team, but when you drill down to it, it's actually just individuals that all work for themselves but just represented by the same company. So a true ensemble um, would mean that there are usually two advisors in a meeting, um, that that client knows more than just their advisor. Um, They know maybe some of the associates or some of the pair planners. Um, There's other individuals that that are helping them with them. So it makes for a smooth transition. So as an example, as I am sitting in here uh, during this interview, I know that if the phone rings, um, that somebody will be able to answer it and uh, take care of that client. And that's what you want to be able to have as an advisor. Uh, So you want to make sure that when you're interviewing people, what happens if that advisor is on vacation? What happens if they have a a medical issue? Who's taking care of the client's needs? So the Ensemble Group, um, again, it's a wonderful evolution of of where industry is going. Uh, Again, I I feel like it's turning more into – that full comprehensive relationship that you want to have with a client years ago. I know I keep bringing up the stockbroker analogy, but that was transaction-oriented. We're in a relationship business, and I think it's important to make sure that the relationship you're having with the advisor, um, it's not just with the advisor, it's with the entire team. So when you talk about how the members should be communicating um, to, or how often the team members are communicating, you want to make sure that you're talking to all the team members.
1: Excellent. Lena, you, you have, um, I, I hope, helped an awful lot of people figure out the kinds of things to ask their advisors um, and the kinds of things to ask when interviewing prospective advisors. Um, you know, on our show, we talk a lot about retirement not as the end, uh, but as a beginning, as a graduation into the next stage of life. Uh, and in doing that, you really want an advisory firm that can be with you, I, I, I dare say, cradle to grave, but at least for your entire adult life. And uh, certainly the ensemble piece of that does make a difference. So um, with that, um, it's time for our extra credit segment. This is the, the opportunity for you to share with our audience that one nugget, that one piece of extra credit that if they were to take away one thing from this conversation and implement it and act upon it, that it would, it would make a difference for them in terms of reaching financial independence and graduating into retirement successfully. What would your extra credit assignment be for our listeners?
2: So my extra credit assignment would be, um, I would challenge the listeners, if they currently have an advisor, to ask them one of these questions that we talked about, um, if you haven't already. And if you've never asked these questions, or you don't have an advisor, or your advisor is not comfortable in uh, answering those questions, then I would encourage you to get a second opinion and have the list of questions available to you during that meeting
1: very good and we will put some of these questions in our show notes so that uh, they'll be up on the website at DontRetireGraduate.com. not uh, for listeners who want to get in touch with you personally Lena what's the best way for them to do that
2: uh, email or phone is the best way um, you can find our contact information right on the website at bfgFA.com
1: very good Lena you've been a tremendous guest this was very helpful uh, and I, I think we've we've uh, we've really helped our listeners today so thank you so much for being here Thank you Eric. From this day forward, let us make each decision with our best
0: interests in mind. Let us begin visualizing our dreams and reaching our goals. It's time to take the next steps in our life journey and build our futures. Today, I implore you, don't retire, graduate. Visit our website, DontRetireGraduate.com to download episodes and connect with us on social media securities offered through kestra investment services llc kestra is member finra sipc investment advisory services offered through kestra advisory services llc kestra as an affiliate of kestra is kestra is or kestra as are not affiliated with brotman financial or any other entity discussed the world's best known investor and wall street expert warren buffett once said wall street is the only place that people ride to in a rolls royce to get advice from those who take the subway